Ephesians, the first chapter, verse 11, the closing portion of this verse, you see it on the, on the screen. It says, who, meaning God, so you can, you can replace this with God. God worketh, shout worketh, all things, all things, after the counsel of his own will. He worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. Are you thankful for that? All right, you may be seated since you're thankful. Take, take a load off. And I mean that in a kind way. <laughs> My wife, did you say cynical? Not, not me. I wouldn't, I wouldn't think of it. I want to talk to you about the sovereignty of God. And I, I come to this thought often, and I, I feel like we visit this from time to time, which is, which is fine with me because um, the more you hear something, the uh, more inclined we become to, to adopt that or at least have a more full understanding of, of the topic or the subject. And I, I personally am one who I find myself on just often really in this position of wanting to fully explore the sovereignty of God. Sovereignty in our definition today is just supreme power. He is supreme in power or authority. So we serve a God that is supreme in authority. There is no greater authority. So we can declare in moments like 10, 15 minutes ago the authority of God because He is supreme. And there is no issue, no struggle, no situation, no trial that you bring with you that He is not greater in authority and power than. So, I, I want to talk to you and simply ask you this question. Will, will you trust his sovereignty. Because the issue in many situations is not his authority and power, but it lies in you and I trusting that. Putting our trust in that reality of his, of his sovereignty. I remember what I was going to say. We have a couple of weeks left of, of group. This is interesting because when you're, when you're speaking in front of people, you have a lot of thoughts that go through your mind. Now, you think it's one track, but it's really not. There's like a bunch of tracks, and you do your best to stay on the right track. And sometimes I don't. Sometimes I, I you know, I'd say other things like, man, where did that come from? Well, it's all going on up there. It's just you, you, you do your best to hone in on the right track. Um, but I remember what I was going to say. If you have students in your home 
and you're not checking up to make sure they're joining the Zoom meeting, please do that. Because there's a number of our students who do not join every week. And I want to encourage our parents to be parents. Be parents. Make sure they're in your home, that they're joining in. Because there's nothing else more important at that moment, not even their homework. When I grew up, I remember Mark Tilly. Mark was my buddy. Mark got up on a Wednesday night on the front row of the church while my father was preaching and made his way to the back of the building and was headed out the door. My dad stopped and said, Hey, Mark, where are you going? He said, I, I, I'm going home. He lived behind the church just a little ways. I'm going home. He said, you're going home? Yes, why are you going home? This is in the middle of church. Why are you going home? Got to do my homework, he told my dad. My dad said, you had from 3 o'clock to 7.30 or 8, whatever time it was that church started, you had all those hours to do your homework. This isn't homework time. You walk right back up in here to the front row where you were sitting. You won't be doing your homework during church. And Mark walked all the way back to the front of the building while his mother and father looked on. And you can only imagine what happened to Mark when they got home after church that night. Now that's the world I grew up in. And I'm trying to introduce you to a world that was much better. Your kids don't have anything more important going on. Chris, say amen. Veronica, thank you. Tell him to say amen. Jason and Yasmin are out there. Say amen. Listen, these folks are investing in your students. Make sure they're connected. And husbands, wives, you talk to your spouse about doing the same thing. Okay. Now, back to the right track. Notice that I did not say, can you... But I said, will you? Will you trust His sovereignty? It's not a matter of can we, it is will we. There are many examples that come to mind that, that fall along these lines. And some of those examples that would come to mind is there are things that we can do as children and as adults, there are things that we can do as employees and employers. There are things that we can do as volunteers and as staff. But we don't always take full advantage of what we can do and the reality of that. Oftentimes we, we find ourselves in this place that maybe if you or your friend, your parent, your child, your spouse... They can do things, but they choose not to do things. Amen? It's not a matter of can, it's will they do it. You can do it. In fact, the Bible tells us that we can do all things. We can do all things. 
through Christ. Pastor, I can't make it. I can't get through this. I can't deal with this. I can't take it anymore. You're, you, you, you're, you're severely shortchanging what you can and cannot do. The Bible said you can do all things through Christ. That strengthens you. So whatever you're facing, you can get through it. You can deal with it. You can... The question is, will you do it? Because you can do it. Strong, strong-willed children turn into hard-headed adults. Hello? And oftentimes they turn into despicable human beings. Because someone did not challenge the strong will. It'll get, a, it'll get better. It'll take care of itself. It'll work itself out. No, it will not. Strong-willed children often become hard-headed adults and despicable human beings. I'm not going to go into every detail of it, but the Bible says this, and it describes certain people as stiff-necked. Exodus, I think it was, 32.9. He said, this is a stiff-necked people. Moses, man, what, 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 what was being described here was they are resistant about everything. They're resisting everything. They're stiff-necked. They're strong-willed. They're hard-headed. They're refusing to choose what's right. And they're blaming it on it can't be done. Well, there is nothing impossible with Him. So whatever it is, it can be done. But will we involve ourselves in it is, is, is the question. I told someone the other day, I don't even remember where it was, uh, someone in conversation, my mother said that she took me out of church when I was quite young. She took me out of church, I think, I think Karen, 11 times in one, in one service. Say, you're thankful you have such an awesome pastor. But you shouldn't really thank me, you should thank my late mother. Because she took this strong-willed child out of church more than 11 times in one service. And we didn't go out in the hall and have cake and tea and Kool-Aid and game time. <laughs> she, she, she acted like it was December the 25th, 11 times, turning the Christmas lights on. She lit me up. 11 times in one service. What's that? Yes, because she never had any of those wonderful experiences. 11 times, I believe my mother said, in one service. Later in life, she, she said to me, you better get your bluff in early. 
You better establish authority early. Because it will never get any easier than it is right now. And if you don't deal with it now, you are creating something in the future that you will not be able to handle. Hello? He said they're stiff-necked. Well, I don't understand if he loved them so much, why they had to go through so much. They were stiff-necked. They were hard-headed. They were self-willed. I'll do it my way. This is the way it's going to be. And so he allowed things to come to them over and over and over and over and over and over again. I would say perhaps it's the, it's the greatest and most important question that a Christian could ever ask themselves. Will I trust His sovereignty? There is not a greater question or more important question than any one of us that we could ask today. Will I trust His sovereignty? The text that I read to you in Ephesians 1.11, it says that God works all things according to the counsel of His own will. Of His own will. The will of God. Not he, he, he works in some things. He works in a few things. He will only work in the things you offer to Him. It says God works all things according. All things. All things according to the counsel of His will. Imagine that type of counsel. This is what I think of when I read the verse. It, the counsel that is of the omniscient one. Okay, just, just let your mind go there for a one, for a few moments. The one who sees all things, the one who knows all things, the one that is aware of the end from the beginning, that type of counsel, not, not counsel that is partial, not counsel that is in some way half-truth, not counsel that is manipulated or counsel that involves false information, but pure and holy and righteous counsel of the one who knows all things and sees all things and knows the end from the beginning. He takes counsel of his own will. There's no discrepancy there. It's full. It's whole. It's complete. And it comes from his will. Is there anybody thankful besides pastor today that all of this is up to him and not up to me? Amen. Hey, I'm thankful that it's up to the counsel of his will and not up to the counsel of my will. 
Because I don't always have the information right. I don't always have the details right. I don't always have all of the scenarios right. I don't always get it together. Sometimes I'm working blindedly. I'm working in a way where I'm hoping it was that. Not with Him. I'm glad this is according to His will and not according to my will. Because my will is jaded. My will is flawed. My will is fractured. My will is faulty. My will is in no comparison to His will. My will is compromised. My will is prejudiced. My will is judgmental. My will is damaged. But His isn't. (laughs) Amen. And so He doesn't take counsel with you or with me or with anybody else in creation or anything else in creation to figure out what the next move needs to be. He takes counsel with His own will because it is sovereign and it is supreme and it is in power and in authority with all clarity and openness and wholeness. He does all things. He works in all things according to the counsel of His will. Somebody ought to shout amen. Amen. And so as a result of that, we have verses like this in Proverbs 19.21. Many are the plans in the mind of a man, but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. You can make up whatever you want to make up. You can come up with all kinds of things in your mind or heart. But at the end of the day, the writer declares that it's the purpose of the Lord that will stand. Not your purpose, His purpose. Not your plan, His plan. Not your idea, His idea. Not what you think's best, what He thinks best. In the end, the Bible says that's what will stand. Thank God. Because I've been determined about stuff that didn't turn out right. I've been convinced about stuff that didn't work out the way I was convinced it would work out. So I'm thankful that it's not my plan that stands, but it's His plan that stands. It's His will that is established. It's what He determines that will last. Thank God for that. Thank God for that. One of the greatest things about Deity and humanity is that He doesn't base His decisions on my wishes and my conclusions. Come on. He doesn't, well, this is what I wish and this is what I conclude and this is my decision. He doesn't base anything on that. Well, I wish God would just listen to me for a while. No, you don't. You think things are tough now. You wreck your life so quick. I'd wreck my future so fast that I'd look back and blame it on Him. Why didn't you do something about it? The deal is, He's God and I'm not. And He doesn't base His plans and decisions about my life on what I wish or what my conclusion is. Because like I said earlier, my judgment is all messed up most of the time. 
God, help us to get to the place. Help me get to the place where I can say, let your purpose stand. Let your purpose stand. You, you, you want a, an example of this? Here it is. Not my will, but thy will be done. Jesus submitted His fleshly desires to the purpose of a heaven for His existence. And He said, not my wish, not my conclusion, not the way I want it to work out, not my will, but Thy will be done. And so He takes of the cup. Help me get to that place where I can say those things. Let Your purpose stand. In spite of my often opposing leanings to His stand. Have you ever been in opposition with God? I have. I I get there often. I want it a different way than than I think the way He's taking it. I want it to turn out a different way than, than the way it looks like He's shaping this. I, in, 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 in this flesh of mine, my, my leanings, often my opposing leanings are against that, but help me to get to the place where I can say, let yours stand and not mine. Let mine bow to yours. Let my desires, my wishes come to a place where you reign supreme. What about James 14, verse 13 through 15? Come now. You who say today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. Instead, he said, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. He said, quit making all these plans about what you're going to do today or tomorrow or the next day or how this or that or the other is going to work out. He said, wait a minute. You don't even know what tomorrow will arrive for you. So instead of your plans standing, simply learn to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. If what, if the Lord's will, what are we talking about? The counsel that He has taken, the counsel that He has taken to work in all things. The Lord is going to work in all things in my life. He's taken counsel about that, so let His will be done in my situation instead of me thinking that I can navigate it all on my own. Somebody better hear the word today. I said, somebody better hear the word today. I'll move through this quickly. What about John 11? Here's Lazarus. Here's Lazarus. He is a loved, beloved friend of the Lord. And they're saying, you need to do something about this. You need to get here and take care of this. You are in the hot seat, sir. Get down there. That's your buddy. That's your friend. That's the people that you're connected with. Go down there and show some compassion. These things said he, and after that he saith unto them, Our friend Lazarus sleepeth. What do you mean sleepeth? He's dead. That's your counsel. 
That's what you've concluded. That, 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 that's where you've landed in all of this. This is why you're not God. Because you summarize it all as death, defeat, end of life, lost the battle. <laughs> no, no. He said, what are you talking about dead? Our friend's just asleep. See, he's taking counsel with his own will about the workings and the dealings of the life of this man, Lazarus. But I go that I may awake him out of sleep. Hallelujah. You said it's all over, but I said it's not over yet. You said there's no hope of coming back, but I said, oh, wait a minute. It's not over yet. You said there's no redemption. There's no way that this is going to work out. But I said he's just asleep, and when I get there, things are going to change. Amen. If you'd have been here, my brother wouldn't have died. If you'd have been here, something could have been done. They had already made their conclusions. I'm glad he doesn't take counsel with us. On the flip side of this, you have a Matthew 11. You have John, cousin of the Lord, who is now incarcerated. And he's starting to question all these things about, is it really him? Is, is, is he really the one that I, I laid everything on the line for and now my life is coming to an end and, and I, I want to make sure that I didn't make a mistake and point out the wrong person and John is trying to grapple with where life had put him. And he asked this question, Art thou he that should come? Or do we look for another? I, 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 I've concluded that I'm not really certain if you're the one and I just want to know before I draw my last breath did I make a mistake? Did I get this right? Are you the one that should come? Or do we look for another? Jesus said, just, just tell him the blind see. The lame walk. Just, 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 just remind John of, of what's going on. I, 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 have to, I have to point these two scenarios surrounding death with two men out this way. Lazarus died and was raised from the dead. John died and stayed in the grave. And both of them and the people that represented them had direct connection with the Lord. And he spoke, hear me now, he spoke into both situations. And in one situation, his spoken word was, Lazarus, come forth! And death couldn't hold him. And the, the other one was, just telling miracles are happening. And as his head is lopped from his shoulders, let him remember that the same God who opened the eyes of the blind was the same God that allowed your head to be taken from your body. Will you trust his sovereignty? <laughs> what about Acts 16? Acts 16, Paul and Silas, 
they're, they're, they're locked up. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises to God. And the prisoners heard them. They made a commotion in the prison, singing, praising at midnight. And the Bible tells us the story that deliverance came for them. They were freed from that place of prison. 2 Timothy chapter 4, when you go there, you have the same guy, Paul. Same guy now. Not aging out because of some health issue. Not some tragic circumstance, physically, if you will, in natural progression of life. And he says this, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. The course that God had for me. I have kept the faith. Here's the same guy facing death again. In one situation, God delivers him from death. And in the other situation, God offers him up to be killed. Will you trust his sovereignty? Not can you. Will you? His work in our lives is more about the purpose of heaven being accomplished than our human desires. We, we get it, we, we invert this. We, we change it all around and say, this is all about my desire. This is all about my desire. This is all of what God can do for me and mine and ours. And that this is what it's all about. The truth of the matter is this isn't really all about you. It's all about Him and what heaven's purpose and desire is for your life. He didn't take counsel with you. He took counsel with His own will. And He says this is what is right in this situation. And He knows knows all of the scenarios that you and I do not know. See, sometimes if we talk Him into letting us hang on longer, it could be in that extra space of time that we walk away from everything that we know is right and true. So, Pastor, I don't like you preaching this way. I, I don't like to preach this way, but I sure want you to make it to heaven. I want you to make it to heaven. I've seen in some situations, it, it, it is an individual's trial that kept them in the face of the throne of God. Because at the moment they went from trial to victory, they forgot about the one that orchestrated all the help in their life. I, at the end of the day, Karen, I just want to be saved. And if I try to take counsel with my own will, I don't know tomorrow. I don't know next month. I don't know what's coming. But I know one thing. He knows all of that before He ever starts dealing in my life. And if I can trust Him, I will walk through every situation that comes in my life. See, either way, in victory or in struggle, we should be good with it because we're trusting His sovereignty. I'm good with it 
Not mad at life, mad at people, mad at my past, mad at the government, mad at the day. Quit being so mad about everything and realize that you are where you are right now because God has His plan that is working out in your life. Put a smile on your face and be good with it. If you're going to the doctor every day of the week or you haven't been to the doctor in 10 years. If you trust His sovereignty, then you know this is not an accident. Hello, 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 hello. Somebody in the church head pastor today. He does miracles. He does signs. He does wonders. And I am thankful for all of that. And I think we all should be thankful for what God does. He does that. We've seen it. We've experienced it. We've all dealt with it firsthand. But there are moments when He doesn't perform those things. There are moments when He simply steps in to walk with us and to comfort us when the most dramatic events of deliverance do not transpire. When the miracle doesn't happen, He's still there. (laughs) When the signs and wonders are not being displayed, He's still there. His comfort is still available. He's still close. He's still right there. Hello? I face some of those type of circumstances and I know you have too. And guess what? We live through them. We're still here. Not because He delivered me from them, but because He brought me through them. Amen. Not because He took me out of it, but because He held my hand through it. The comfort of God and the nearness of God when the dramatic events of deliverance do not transpire are just as important as the moments when the immediate miracle transpires in our life. And somebody shout, Amen. So my question is, will you trust Him enough to let His desire play out in your life no matter the circumstance? I'm not telling you you have to be happy with it. I'm just saying, will you trust Him with it? Will you trust Him with it? Because whether you will or you won't, you'll have a chance to find out. I said, you'll have a chance to find out. It's a battle. Shout battle. And you can demand to win the battle. You can demand to win the battle. And I've done that. I've demanded and commanded and (laughs) fasted and prayed and cried and shouted and ran and Feasted and famine, and I mean, I've done it all, and I know some of you have too. We we literally have done that. But here's the deal: if I demand to win, I cannot expect to succeed. Let it sink in for a moment. If I demand to win this, and I push against His will to win. 
I may win, but I did not succeed. We may claim victory in our self-will. Victory at any cost. But ultimately, I may have sacrificed and failed to triumph. Do you want to succeed? Do you want to triumph? Then you can't demand to win the battle. And you cannot, in self-will, claim victory when God has a different path. Many people become the culprit. If you don't know what that is, the source of their own demise. They blame it on everybody and everything else, but at the end of the day, they were the culprit. David found himself at that place where he said, Who is this man? Who is this individual? Who is this person that would treat someone that way and act that way? Tell me who this is and I'll deal with it right now. Nobody in this kingdom will conduct themselves that way as the prophet. And the prophet, no doubt, shaking under the authority of God, said, Thou art the man. Can you handle that? Because that's Bible. But we want to believe the Bible but live a different experience than what they did in the Bible. If you're going to believe it, then you better be willing to live it. And sometimes you're staring down the barrel of a prophetic word that says you're the man. I, I close with this. Daniel 3, Madison, I didn't give this verse, but Daniel 3, 17. This is the story of the Hebrew boys that are facing death because they're refusing to bow. 17. They're they're refusing to bow. And, And the pressure is on. You either bow when you hear the music or you're headed to the fire. You you will bow in this kingdom, or you're going in that furnace. And and, and it's hot. (laughs) And that's where you're headed. And you can avoid all of that by simply bowing when you hear the sound of the music. And they answered, If it be so, (laughs) Cindy, I do not know one, two, three, four words that, that sums up what I'm talking to the church about today. Any more than those four words in the entire Scripture. If it be so, our God, they're not demanding God. You, deli- you, you, you turn the fire down, God. We're your children. We're in this land trying to live for you, sacrifice for you, and you show up and you overthrow this God and you do this. They didn't make any demands of God. If it be so, our God, whom we serve, I'm going to serve Him no matter what kind of pressure is on. But listen to their testimony. The God whom we serve is able 
to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace and he will deliver us out of thine hand O king here's what I know whether he chooses to bring me out of the fire or not you can't have any control of my life God I love this if I die in this it won't be by your hand if I die in this, it won't be because you're in control. If I die in this, you'll never get to shout in victory. If I go under in this, it won't be because of you. Because either way, He's delivering us out of your hand. If we stand here or if we go to the fire, if it be so, what is this? This is the testimony of somebody, someone's who literally say, I trust your sovereignty. Let's stand together.